Welcome to the Brood Life Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Hall. So grab a cup of coffee, plug in your headphones, and let's have a conversation. today's episode of The Brood Life, and I am excited to have uh, one of my really, really good friends on the podcast today. Uh, Today we're going to be talking to one of my uh, longest and closest friends, uh, Bo Holden, and we are just talking about fatherhood and what it looks like to balance uh, being a dad and our career, and we just had a fantastic conversation. Um, Bo has just been one of those friends that I've had for a really long time, and it just feels like no matter how long uh, we go without talking to each other, that we just reconnect, and it's like, you know, no time has passed at all, and uh, he's been one of the most faithful and consistent friends that I've had in my life for a very long time. Uh, We uh, went to college together. Uh, we become dads together, and uh, it just stayed connected over the last uh, twenty plus years. So, uh, just a great conversation about uh, fatherhood. Uh, he gives a lot of really good uh, information, a lot of good tips, a lot of uh, great stories, just about what it looks like uh, in just day to day life of balancing work and fatherhood and. Uh, he was just really transparent and honest, and it was just a great conversation that I think that uh, everybody is going to get a lot of good information out of, whether you're uh, a dad or a mom or uh, just anybody when it comes to you know balancing work and life. So I uh, hope you really enjoy this conversation and uh, stick around after the conversation for some more information. Welcome, everybody, uh, back to the podcast. I am excited to have uh, my good friend, Bo Holden, here with me today. And before we get started, I'm just going to give him a couple minutes to introduce himself. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. I'm glad to be here, too, and um, looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. But yeah, my name is Bo Holden. Um, I am not a Fort Wayne native. Uh, I grew up in Gillette, Wyoming, Um, went to high school in Salmon, Idaho. Moved out to Indiana to go to Taylor University, which is where, where and why we met. Yep. Um, and as I feel like this story is heard time and time again with those of us in Fort Wayne, um, we met and married a Fort Wayner, and yep. that's why we're here in Fort Wayne. <laughs> yep. Um, and then we justify that by saying, uh, "Oh, but the cost of living's so great, so we, <laughs> that's another reason to stick around and stay." But yeah, so man, I'm I'm just excited for the conversation we're gonna have. Awesome. So uh, today we're just going to talk about fatherhood and career and how we balance those things. But uh, just to get started, kind of describe what like an average day looks for you uh, yeah. with work and family. Yeah. So um, my wife, Ashley, and I have been married 15 years. We have three kids. Uh, our oldest is 11, Liam. Uh, June is eight. And then Luca, my youngest, is five. So boy, girl, boy. Um, 
I am an attorney at a law firm here in town, Rothberg, Logan, and Morsco. So, um, you know, that obviously comes with some preconceived notions about what things look like for us, although the stereotypes are true for a reason. Um, you know, when you're in a job where the only way that you uh, generate income is to be literally billing hours mm -hmm. on someone's project, there is no such thing as passive income at a law firm. Right. So um, the great motivator is, is build time, which just naturally puts you in a position to um, always be looking for the next thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard not to get tied up in um, working a certain number of hours a week just to justify your existence. Yeah. Uh, so one of those things is, um, in my experience, and this is not true of everybody, but because of the way that I do my practice, I work about 60 hours a week uh, to generate approximately 35 to 40 build hours. Okay. Um, some people are probably sitting there going like, that's so inefficient. <laughs> uh, and it's true. Um, yeah. But there's so much of what you're doing, right? Because you're at the same time trying to build your business, yeah. which requires conversations and networking and all kinds of things that have nothing to do with sitting down at your desk and generating build hours. Right. Um, so a typical work week for me looks pretty much like um, I try to be in the office no later than eight o'clock. Uh, but that often means I'm doing, I'm meeting people for coffee at 7 a.m. I'm doing all kinds of things in addition to being the one who's responsible for getting my kids up in the morning. Right. Uh, my wife hates mornings with a passion. Um, <laughs> if allowed, I'm going to embarrass her a little bit here. If allowed, she would probably sleep in till noon every day. That's just her MO. Yeah. Um, and God bless her for it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> that definitely happens on Saturdays. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, so the kids and I, the morning's important as part of where I get to generate connection with my, with my kids. Mm -hmm. So I've come with, come up with, you know, creative ways to wake them up. Sometimes they laugh and giggle. And sometimes I have to watch for swinging elbows, <laughs> all acceptable responses based on some of the activity that I'm, uh, I'm doing. Um, my little girl, she pops up like a dream and my oldest, but my little guy, he is a bear. Hence <laughs> Luca bear, his nickname. Um, he growls, pulls the covers back up. Anyway, we get the kids up, uh, get bre I get breakfast in front of them and then I finish kind of getting ready, which allows me to usually be walking out the door around seven fifteen if I need to. Okay. Um, sometimes there's some flex there. It depends on what's going on. And that's part of the beauty of my job is that, uh, I don't, have to be at my desk. I used that expression, but um, I've got a home office, obviously COVID and yeah. the quarantining and everything that's happened has, I think, necessitated that every service professional probably has some sort yep. of capacity or ability. And a lot of people, right, who were in offices, that's yep. what they're doing now yep. too. You, yeah. for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know that a lot of you guys probably listen to this can, you know, empathize and understand what's happening. So, um, but that's the unique thing about my job is that because of the way it's constructed, um, man, a lot of times, like after I, so I get them up and I put them down. Um, mm. So our bedtime routine is I usually read between two and three books, depending on what, <laughs> how, how quickly we're getting them to bed. Yes. We try to be going down at 8.15. I think mean, some of you guys are probably rolling your eyes, like thinking 8.15, like that's, that's prime spousal time or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just our rhythm and yeah. in the way that our family works. So 
8.15 and usually we're trying to walk out before 9.15. Yep. But so it's three books, three songs. Um, I have a passion for music. That's one of the ways I try to relay that to kids. You'll laugh at this. Uh, their bedtime experience is filled with old school DC talk. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. It is worth laughing at. Um <laughs> But it looks like probably stuff off the Supernatural album and the Jesus Freak album, the softer yeah. stuff. I'm obviously not throwing down Jesus Freak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh. they have come to, and, and some old school audio adrenaline. Okay. Uh, Walk on Water. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because they know these songs that, uh, you know, when I'm having conversations with friends who grew up in our generation, yep. they'll throw that out and they're like, <laughs> what your kids know this stuff and some of them are like what you know uh looking at me like i've committed child abuse um maybe true i don't know uh we'll see how this plays out in life um because i got a feeling it's such an ingrained part of their bedtime that they're going to end up sharing the same tragedy to their kids Kids, yeah (laughs) oh man i'm gonna beg them not to um but because of that um there's a certain amount of flexibility I have, but that flexibility lends itself to, I mean, if I have to break away early for whatever, I usually end up then flipping the computer back on sometime after nine o'clock and trying to get in another one or two hours, three hours sometimes of billable work, um, which man starts to create some really blurred lines between family work and trying to keep those things in their appropriate spaces. Um, I'm all too often finding that work, and my wife will attest to this, and she's so gracious to me, but I mean, about one of the only sacred places that we have is kind of our dinner table, when we can make that happen and sports isn't getting in the way. Um, That's just kind of like one place that we really try to protect. So um, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a book uh, called Te- The TechWise Family. Yeah, um, The author's name is escaping me, but um, we're just getting, it's, this is a timely conversation because we're just getting ready to kind of talk about the appropriate place for technology mm. and putting it in its place. Yeah. And this book is leading, helping us lead that conversation because, man, it is such a challenge yeah. to get screens out and to get intentional about the interpersonal communication and how important that is and not allowing screens to raise our kids, you know? Yep. I have a high schooler. I oh, understand. yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can't wait. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a normal day um, is kind of juggling all of those balls. My little girl is uh, in gymnastics. Um, my little guy is a soccer player, and my oldest guy uh, loves flag football and, and soccer as well. And so we're balancing, and you, I mean, you know, yep. it doesn't matter what it is, right? We're all juggling those activities that we're yeah. kids. And then at some point in there, I try to, my wife and I try to spend some time together. <laughs> Usually uh, around a basket of folding clothes yep. right before we head to bed. Yep. So. Totally understand that. We spend a lot of time folding laundry while watching TV. Yes. So. <laughs> I mean, it's just such romantic activity. <laughs> you know, gets all the juices going. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, and you kind of like handed at some of what you do, but are there any like practical ways or things that you do that to make time to like do activities with your family yeah um yeah this is a i think one of the things is you it's not so much 
that, I mean, there's obviously, you know, one of the things we talked about was the intentionality, creating intentional moments, yeah. but that's not, you know, in the, in the course of a day, you, you have to be intentional, but I would say your intentionality has to be this. It is a disposition of your heart mm. to be intentional yeah. about spending time with your kids, right? Yeah, and my wife is constantly in my ear about and reminding me about the necessity of that intention because, and I, I thank God for it because if that didn't exist, I think there would be periods, long periods, where I would lose track mm. of the necessity of that. And so a good example is this. I think it's probably the best way to share is um, it was probably, I don't know, 7.50 or so. And how often do our kids ask us to do something? Mm-hmm. And we're like, not right now. You got bedtime in 20 minutes. We're not going to get, we're not going to do this because it get you riled up. We're not doing this because we've got to take all this stuff out. And yep. you, who, I'm going to have to put it away. Like, um, you know, and then we hear our parents say, we wish every day that we had to clean up those messes. Mm. Now that you're gone, I mean, yeah. I, you, we all hear that. But um, Liam, it was like 7:50. It was not that nice outside, but he still had sweatpants, a sweatshirt on, and he goes, "Dad, can you come throw the football to me on the trampoline?" And I thought, my initial thought was, "No, it's 7:50. We're not going to go jump on the trampoline and get you all riled up, and then it's going to take you two hours to wind down, right?" Yeah. But I just, you know. It, I think probably we had just the fresh, the conversation was fresh about me being intentional. And so I said, sure, bud, let's go do it. And we spent the next 20 minutes with him practicing, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. catches on the trampoline, <laughs> uh, trying to pull one-handed, you know, grabs in. And we got done and he, and we came inside and um, did the bedtime routine and was putting him down. And I always lean up and give him a kiss on his forehead. And he just says, dad, that was so great tonight. Mm. Like I just love, and you know, it's hard not to get emotional about these things because you realize these times are fleeting. You know, he's 11 and well over half of his life that yeah. we get to be integral and a part of is gone. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, by that, I mean, he's living in our house and maybe he's not gone at 18. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say, I hope he does. I think my wife hopes he does. Um, but just indicative of right, raising successful, responsible yes. adults, I guess, maybe whatever that looks like. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of moment, um, reminds me of the power of what can happen in a very short period of time. Mm. Um, and just making those things intentional. My little guy loves wrestling. He just wants to tussle all the time. It's just (laughs) his nature. And so it's kind of stirred this thing back up to me. He loves it so much that I, it's like, okay, when I get home and I get my work clothes off and start to get into something more comfortable, it's like, just throw on a pair of shorts real quick. You give him five minutes of just good old fashioned <laughs> rolling on the floor. Yeah. And man, he's just on cloud nine. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to stop. But the <laughs> fact that he gets that uh, touch, that hit yes. on something that he loves. So I think it's important that we're attentive and in tune with what our children respond to. What's, what is the activity that means something to them. Mm. Um, not what we want to do. Yeah. Like coming to them in their place. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that my girl, I don't, I, I could do better. I think that's probably one thing where I can do better. Um, she is, but she's a self occupier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, squeaky wheels get the grease. Yeah. Um, and so 
I would even say that, man, that's probably something that this is good to talk about because the challenge for me is us doing things together more often. Um, she's just so self, um, she doesn't need help. Yeah. Um, to she and when she's asking me to do things, it's most of the time she wants to just curl up in my lap. Like mm. that's what she's asking, yeah. asking to be done, and just making sure that no matter what the situation is, that I make time for that physical affirmation of her and who she is. Um, continuing to do that. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the realm of like spending time with the kids and. Uh, making sure that you're intentional about it do you is there anything like like parts of your schedule or parts of your week or are anything like that that is has become like a non-negotiable like we don't give up this time yeah uh almost without exception saturday morning mm -hmm. is this like very sacred place like my kids for the longest time have referred to saturdays as daddy no work day <laughs> now, what that really means is, you know, there have been times and seasons where because of work, it's just been so crazy that I've had to like invade certain spaces. But I try to make sure that either Saturday or Sunday yeah. stays completely off limits for work. Um, you know, sometimes it's just in the course of it, I have I know I have four hours of work that needs to be done before Monday morning. And so it makes more sense for the family and because of the rhythm of whatever's happening that I'll do two hours on a Saturday and two hours on a Sunday in some way where I wouldn't otherwise be with the kids or there's something else going on. Um, but that's, I mean, we have this thing where we do breakfast together on Saturday mm -hmm. mornings. It's, and when I say do it, sometimes it means um, me making my uh, world famous French toast <laughs> and us sitting at the table and, you know, dreaming and just talking or whatever. Uh, and sometimes it means we go on a donut run. I mean, um, but that's, they know on Saturday mornings, it's going to be them and me while Ashley gets to, you know, take her morning off yeah. of what is otherwise normally her, you know, go time. So, yeah, so that, that's definitely that space. And I can tell you this, if I don't put them down at night and that, you know, that's, that's every single night of the week there is some ruffled feathers. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some prep done. Like, you know, last <laughs> night we had uh, our small group met and um, we hosted and it was the guys, sorry. Um, and I was hosting, so I'm out there, you know, we're gathered around a campfire until 10 o'clock. Well, that's obviously way past their bedtime. Right. So before I go out about 7.30, I start prepping them to say, hey, I'm not gonna be there. So if there's something you need, if you would like something from me right now, whether that's read a book or you just want, some yeah. song time, whatever it is, we have to do that now because when mom goes to put you down, you're going to cooperate, you know, like <laughs> I am not going to get pulled out so that, you know, to hear about uh, whatever's going on and why you guys aren't listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I, those two things, man. Uh, the bedtime routine and Saturday mornings are just, those are dad's spaces. Yeah. So, yeah. So I uh, just kind of switch things up, but uh, what have been some of your favorite memories with oh, your kids or your family that have been not planned or not like part of a vacation or anything like that but just like everyday things that have happened that like stick out that you are going to remember forever yeah um 
Well, I think one of the things we talked about earlier was that moment with Liam that mm-hmm. was uh, that was really cool and special. Um, you know, some of the other things that happen in large part happen because um, my in-laws have 16 acres that are um, north of town, and we spend almost every Sunday afternoon there okay. um, having dinner with my in-laws. And a lot of times I use that space. They'll head out uh, early at like 1 o'clock, and then I can work from 1 to 5, and then I meet them out there for okay. dinner. Um, what I found is I'm looking to see if Ashley's listening to this. Uh, what I found is is that when I will carve out that time and be out there with them, there's something about being in nature. Mm-hmm in creation mm-hmm. and being with your kids and just magical things happen. Yeah. Um, so whether that's a spontaneous swinging, they've, we've got, I don't know, Brandon, it's probably 16 feet worth of rope hanging down from a branch okay. that has a big swing on, that has a swing on the bottom. One of those, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like circular swings. They've got, they're like yes. netted. Yeah. And I can get them probably close to 13, 14 feet off the ground in that thing. And they absolutely love it. But I think we talk about this all the time. Like Ashley runs a marathon every day, right? She's running the 10K. Yeah. And I get to come in and be the 100-dash hero, right? The 100-yard dash hero. So she is that Olympic runner who gets the gold and no one knows their name. And I am... You know, for my generation, Carl Lewis, or I guess for this generation, the dude from Jamaica, what's his name? Uh, uh, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Yeah. Who everybody knows, even yeah. though I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> we all know who he is. Yeah. Right? Uh, Puma's, like, face. Yeah. Um, and that, um, that is also, as you know, that's my personality. Like, yep. <laughs> I'm the guy who just wants to come in and just be the bright spot light of the party you know create excitement generate um you know a really good time but that's unsustainable yeah you know but that's you know that that's kind of because of who i am like i'm looking for those moments to kind of create um that opportunity so you know because we're out there you know liam loves um all things hunting and fishing Mm. And so I think some of the moments, knowing that those types of activities exist, during the summer, we are always trying to carve out a two or three hour block to go do that together. Um, again, it's it's almost like all of these things involve being outside. Yeah. Um, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. So much of this means disconnecting from technology in order yes. to be present for that to happen. Yeah. And I think it's imperative. Like I think if you think that you're going I would challenge, I guess, and this is a challenge to me, because anytime I will just put my phone down and then pull them off of whatever screens they're on, you are instantly, exponentially growing the opportunity for a spontaneous yeah. moment yeah. to connect to happen. Yep. Because as long as those screens are up, it's almost just, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, even if you're engaging with them in a screen, it's it's the chances of it being special or productive um, is probably not great, you know. Uh, Can you share a good flick together? Sure, but um, unless you're going to be really intentional about maybe having the conversation of life lessons learned in that film or why why our family doesn't 
interact in the way that we just saw or, you know, instructive moments by whatever it is, which, you know, those obviously, well, I don't, maybe not so obviously, those happen. But man, when you put technology away and you say, um, another good example is I'm, I played the saxophone my whole life. I'm alto sax player. And anytime I will break that thing out, all the kids, <laughs> they just, they want tactile experience, right? They yeah. want to blow into that horn. They want to move the keys. I mean, I, I've got a guitar out of here and it's just any time that you get into experiential things, your kids are just going to jump in. It's just their natural inclination, curiosity. Yeah. So I think that that's just important is like creating moments where curiosity can um, just carry the day. Yeah. And it just, that facilitates so much of, of what we do. Um, one of the things that, uh, I, I love during this time of year as, you know, as we get a cart pumpkins, mm. we have great moments, um, captured in pictures and video of carving pumpkins. Cause the kids, we, they get to, you know, we scroll through a bunch of faces, um, or different scenes that we can carve. And every year as they get a little bit older, they can do more and more on yeah. their own, which obviously is wonderful. Because <laughs> um, by the end of Three Pumpkins, my hand is ready to fall yeah. off uh, from using that little dinky saw <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, you know, because apparently battery-operated Sawzall just makes mincemeat of pumpkins. And I, I wouldn't tell you that I know from experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I mean, these are just like every season, right? Yep. It's just being intentional and looking for these opportunities that... And these are things that we're passing on to our kids. Yeah. They're going to do them with their kids because just creating those meaningful moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's important. I just, that going back to like the very first thing we talked about is having, you know, a routine. And I think that, man, some days I wish I had more than five minutes from mm -hmm. home to work because of the ability to kind of disconnect and prepare mm -hmm. and get ready to step in. And you know this, this has been one of the challenges with working from home yep. is, man, it's all just blending together and there's yeah. no decompressing. Nope. It's just one intense moment to the next. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I have failed miserably at but intend to do, and by fail miserably, I mean three out of the five days, I walk into the house with work still all over me. Sure. You know, and it's so important to come in ready to say, as soon as I walk through the door, um, I'm ready to engage. Mm -hmm. I've heard uh, some guys that I, that we do life with, you refer to this as second shift. Like they get all the, they get the same energy. They get the same intentionality. Yeah. Um, and, and viewing that as like, they need this from me. It's important. It's important for me to just not consider the fact that, um, I'm part, I, I bring this component of family life in whether that's financial resources or, you know, whether your primary caretaker, whatever it is, that there's this next shift that happens about really just speaking directly into their lives mm -hmm. in this, with the same energy and, um, intentionality that you're executing your work with. Yeah. So now I'm just going on and on. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um, is there any like advice or guidance that you wish that you would have gotten mm. early on in your fatherhoodness or your being dad that uh, you know now? I guess just through experience. Yeah, man, this is a 
I have one of the things that I'm probably most grateful for in my life is the intentionality that my dad and my grandfather, actually both my grandfathers, um, we just, my wife's or my mom's dad was always so far away. Like we always lived like, it seemed like a thousand miles away from them, um, which in most cases literally was true. Um, but I had these examples of, I guess, fatherhood and being a dad that um, set a tone for my own, you know, journey as a dad at a very high level. Um, I had, I mean, my dad coached every team, my every athletic team I was on until I was, and he was a pastor, by the way. Both my grandfathers are pastors as well. That might help some of this that they had. <laughs> No knock on pastors. I was also in youth ministry, and you work some wild hours, especially. Yeah. I mean, nobody else wants to be Friday night rockathon till four a.m. and then taking kids <laughs> home. So this is not a knock on that, but there is a certain liberty with your schedule that you yeah. have during the week. That's amazing, right? Sure. So my dad was able to do all these things, but coached every team I had until I was in six, like out of sixth grade. So basically until middle school, which then coaching becomes formal and sure. Um, <clears throat> But also had the privilege of men in my life who intentionally created rites of passage for me. Um, and my, you know, so when I, when I look at that, like, that's, and I feel like they said all of the right things to me about, you know, like we talked about earlier, um, you're going to be, it's, we've all heard it. Time's going to fly by, cherish yeah. every moment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't, I think maybe the one thing that I wished would have been said was every season is going to have particular struggles. Mm. Yeah. And every season will come with equivalent joys. Yeah. Don't get lost in the struggles of that moment let them overweigh the, I guess we'll say, the blessings or the good of those moments. Um, because, you know, from the time, I would just, it's probably easiest because I had the most time with Liam. Um, man, months zero through 12, or maybe even 18, I look back on those as saying, man, those were some hard <laughs> moments with him. Yeah. Um, but also, the the nights that I got to spend holding him because he would, did not necessarily love to be down. Mm -hmm. um, I look back on those and I know that those, they were fundamental to the foundation of our relationship. Um, it just don't get, don't do, don't let it, uh, don't let it be lost on you. The bonding that is happening when you're when he's falling asleep in your arms or mm. she's falling asleep in your arms um i think that that's that's maybe something that i wished and maybe it was i mean for all i know they did and i just didn't ever because i didn't give it the sure. seriousness of thought um you know i think it's important to say like i wanted to be man i can remember 18 years old going i can't wait to be a dad yeah i don't think that's maybe natural for a lot of 18 year old guys um but for me, man, the idea of fatherhood and because of how rich of an upbringing I had, 
it was something that like I couldn't wait. Yeah. Um, I couldn't wait to be a dad. Um, so I think that some of that, I'm speaking to a particular group of people who fall into that category. I think that if you find yourself either like surprised (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, in in our culture and the way that a lot of, you know, I realize that how more and more rare my situation is, um, dads who find themselves in a surprise position or unexpected that man, there is such an amazing opportunity. Um, and there are so many of us out there who do love it, who would love to pass on knowledge that man, if you're listening to this and like you are being surprised or in a hard time, like, man, reach out to someone who looks like they enjoy fatherhood. Mm, Um, and, and even if they don't look like they're enjoying it, are engaged and you see them pouring into their kids and we are happy usually to dispense knowledge and it's probably going to look like something like this i think i just mess up all the time yep (laughs) because that's my i know i'm messing up man all the time all the time i get done with an interaction or engagement with my kids i am not proud of what just happened i am not (laughs) proud of what i said but I go back and say, I'm sorry, sometimes mm-hmm. even with the prodding of my wife because I'm not really excited about apologies. Yep. Um, and that engagement with your kids is teaching them invaluable lessons. So I would say that's the second thing is like, uh, you are setting the template for how they're going to interact with their kids and not just their kids, but how they interact with other people. Yeah. And if if your apologies are always succeeded by an excuse or preceded by an excuse they're going to learn to apologize the same way Mm. and i think uh as my wife will tell you probably one of the greatest challenges i've had to overcome in communication in our marriages unequivocal apologies Mm. and accepting responsibility no matter what part the other party played in it yeah that's not it doesn't matter if we're going to give those wholehearted apologies, I mean, I think that that's part of like the challenge of raising responsible people is accepting the consequences for our actions, apologizing to those people that we hurt um, without the expectation of receiving that same grace. And that's hard. Yeah. Because once we apologize, we want that other person yep. to own up to their wrongdoings. Yeah. Um, and... And that, that's the same vein of, of like making excuses for why whatever happened happened with the apology, yeah. right? Yeah. It just doesn't feel good. And like, I think that that's, I mean, always just kind of falling back on um, taking a deep breath before we engage and saying, what would I have wanted this to look like in my life? Mm. What, if I could go back and change all of the negative interactions I had with my parent or parents, how would I have wanted that to look and how can I make that look in this moment with my child? But that requires uh, and self-knowledge. And so often we're responding in those moments in anger yeah. or frustration. Yep. And the importance, and in particular for me and my personality type, of taking a deep breath. Um, I know you talked about the Enneagram Mm -hmm. on this podcast and others. Mm. Um, 
And that's been one of the greatest tools Ashley and I have ever found in our marriage. Yep. Like in the in the tools of the tool belt of life for application to constructive marital discourse. That has been like 1A. That is the hammer, right? Yeah. The the or whatever you want to say, the the flip screwdriver that has the Phillips and the flathead on it <laughs> that you can just use all the time. Yep. Yep. Uh, because of what it's taught me about myself. Yep. And it's it, and it was marriage and now it's teaching me about my interactions with my kids. Yeah. Um so man, I would I would I hate to do this because it probably sounds like you paid me, but I would encourage every dad to get typed. Yeah. Be honest with it, own it, but hold hold, hold it with open hands. Yeah. Um take a look at like what how you respond in unhealth. Learn about that and be ready to engage in that and quick to apologize when you mess up. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that one thing, because I can tell you that didn't happen a lot, is just be, treat them like they're an adult when it comes to your willingness to apologize. Yeah. I'm not saying at all times they need to be treated that way. I'm saying don't, sometimes it's hard to apologize to your kid because yes. it's like, Apologize to who? <laughs> um, but man, you're teaching them humility yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that was something probably that got passed on to me in, in real, real uh, I guess, in strength of character. Um, if we had to look at all the things and all the good things that were passed on to me, I think the apologies with no excuses is not something that uh, <laughs> was done in great measure. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one final question before we wrap up, uh, because this is the brood life. Uh, what is your drink of choice when you go get coffee? Oh man. If I, if I had to only pick one, it would be, uh, at two different spots, you can get a fantastic meal, which is organic honey and cinnamon, essentially in a latte. Okay. Um, my preference is to have three shots. Okay. Uh, and half the honey. Okay. Um, and that's, that's the makeup, but let's say that that's a flavored option. Um, I'm a cappuccino guy, like a true cappuccino, right? Okay. Which is, uh, two parts coffee, one part milk. Yep. And, um, man in a small six ounce cup that hits the spot for me almost every time. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, you for bet, doing bud. this. I appreciate it. Thank you. tuning into today's episode uh, i hope that you got a lot out of this conversation and come away with some uh just some pointers and maybe something you can apply to your own life and uh, and if you got something out of this and you feel like somebody that you know another dad and somebody else in your life that uh, would benefit from this conversation please go out and share uh, this episode with them uh, you can find us on uh, social media at the brood life on both facebook and instagram and uh, please go out to your favorite uh, podcast platform and just uh, subscribe and rate and review the podcast and uh, share it with anybody that you think will get uh, you know any benefit out of these conversations that we're having 
So thanks again for tuning in this week. And uh, I will talk to you on the next episode of The Brew Life.